Lucy slightly, just slightly very terrifying. <laughs> it's really different on Zoom because your faces are only this big. <laughs> Um, but this is just very slightly terrifying, so forgive me if I, um, I don't know, get a bit shaky or whatever. Okay, so, what an amazing morning. What an amazing God. Um, so before I, so this section that I'm talking about in the book is about the happiness of God. And... So let me, let me just, I just need to talk to God. We need to talk to God about this, okay? Father, we give you permission to affect our hearts and we give you permission, Holy Spirit, to go into the nooks and crannies of our hearts because we can know your truth, we read it, we sing it, and we know it and we can say we know it, but sometimes when life gets us, when the poop hits the fan as it goes, sometimes it's really difficult to believe that or we, it's difficult for us to act as if that's true. So Holy Spirit, I know I need this, and I give you permission to go into the nooks and crannies of my heart and in my mind, and I ask you to affect my mindset and how I think and how I feel, how I operate, how I speak and the things that I do so that I can live in the fullness of what you so desperately want me to have, as you desperately want us to live in and you want us to enjoy we give you permission okay so just give god permission to go into those scary places those nooks and crannies of your heart okay so anyway so this is about the happiness of god so we know that god is not devoid of emotion okay? he was the one that invented and created emotion jesus is fully feeling and has the full range of emotions and we can sometimes associate with being emotional with being a little bit negative because, um, you know, our personally our emotions fluctuate, they go up and down and they can be inconsistent. One minute we can feel like this, the next minute we can feel like that. But God is not like that. He is consistent. And so sometimes we make excuses for ourselves. Oh, excuse me, I'm getting all emotional, you know, and all of this. Okay. But God is not subject to his emotions, just like we shouldn't be. But he does feel stuff and he feels happiness. And he feels joy. So the point that I'm sort of making, getting to the point, is that God has emotions and he experiences them. But at the same time, they are stable and they are consistent because he is in control of what he bases them on and he is the consistent one. And while he bases them on intellectual decisions, things that he's decided, I believe that he still has that full experience of them. He experiences that. <coughs> And they're affected by things. They're affected by things we can affect them. The things that we do can affect how God feels. And he does things himself that makes himself feel happy. Like he created the entire universe. And Amen. us and all of those things. And he was happy. He saw that it was good. He was happy. So he felt happy. Okay? So he does things and he chooses to do things that brings him joy. And this is one of the things that he's done to chose, that he's chosen to bring in joy. So this is Hebrews 12, 1 to 3. Therefore, since we are surrounded by a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders <coughs> us and the sin that so easily entangles. Let us run with perseverance for the race marked out for us, fixing our eyes on the author and perfecter of faith. For the joy set before him, he endured the cross scorning its shame, and sat down at the right hand of the, um, of the throne of God. Consider him who endured such opposition from sinners, so that you will not grow weary and lose heart. Okay, so he went to the cross 
for the joy that was set before him. So what was that joy and how does it bring him joy? So in that book that we, I don't know if any of you follow in the book as well, I'm just reading that. So there's this chap called Thomas Goodwin and he wrote that Christ's own joy, comfort, happiness and glory are increased and enlarged by, and then ask the question, how would you finish that sentence? What is his happiness and his joy increased by? So let's ask God a question. God, what makes you happy? What makes God happy? There's lots of things that makes God happy. So the Bible is full of evidence that God is happy. He's pleased and he's delighted when we love him, when we listen to him, when we obey him, uh, when we follow him, when we make sacrifices to him, when we trust him, when we have faith, and all of those sort of things. We've got all those stories in the Bible and that makes him happy. So the joy that set sorry, the joy set before him that enabled him to endure the pain and the anguish, the shame, and the separation from the Father on the cross was us. Okay, so, but, don't get this right, I don't want to butter over this and make it look like something that it's not. Okay, so, Jesus was fully God, and he was fully man. And while he was fully man, you know, Jesus, in the Garden of Gethsemane, we see that Jesus was really stressed out. So stressed out that he sweated blood. Okay, he was scared. He was upset. He asked for another way. Okay, so Jesus didn't exactly go, forgive me for saying it like this, but you know me, I'm quite blunt sometimes. He wasn't exactly skipping up the hill to the cross like, yay, I'm going to die on the cross today. It's going to be really painful. Yay. He wasn't like that. Okay, that's not what he was feeling at the time. Okay, it wasn't a bundle of laughs at that point. It was horrific. But Jesus did it for the joy that was set before him. Okay, there was something else that was going on. And, um, okay, I've got a cheesy story for you. Okay, so we're driving back from a holiday. We are, I don't know exactly where we were. We were just coming out of the services on the M3. Coming back from Bournemouth. And I don't know what was going on at the time or what I was reading, but I just had, was having one of those conversations with Jesus in the car, just to myself, while everybody was there, you know, feeling a little bit, why did you do it, God? Why did you die on the cross? It's like, mankind's pretty horrible. We're really horrible sometimes. I'm really horrible sometimes. And I'm this, I'm that. And, you know, and then I was expecting God to say to me, well, Joanne, because he uses his full name when I'm in trouble. So, <laughs> never calls me Joanne. He calls me sweetheart. But, uh, <laughs> anyway, I was expecting, well, Joanne, I did it because you are incapable, darling. Um, you know, you are so awful. Mankind is so awful. And blah, blah, blah. Which is kind of true. But it was one of those moments. I don't know if you have ever had one of those moments where you ask God a question. And then instantly, he's like speaking before you've even got to the end of your sentence. Yeah, so it's one of those moments. And it's like, okay, you clearly had something to say. <laughs> you was wanting to say to me. And he said to me, sorry, I know it really, probably sounds really cheesy, but he said to me, it was the thought of not being with you forever that I did that for you. And like, shut me up in my tracks. You know, like, oh, okay. <laughs> and then, you know, that stayed with me and that stayed with me for years. And, you know, I'm constantly sort of, it shapes how I think and it shapes how, I mean, you'll see. Anyway, let's just get to the point. <laughs> Sorry. Okay. So, so the purpose of the cross was to restore our relationship with God, right? Through um, forgiveness of our sins, to reconnect heaven to earth, 
and all of that, and it was the joy that was set before him. That was his motivation. Despite the present circumstances that he was in, we know that it was really awful and what we were feeling, you know, we think back, as I said earlier, to the Garden of Gethsemane and, you know, how he was reacting in that circumstances. Despite all of that, it was the joy that, set, uh, the joy that was set before him that enabled him to endure it. The joy of what he would achieve and the joy that, of what was to come. The joy of having us forever with no separation whatsoever. No separation. You motivated him. I motivated him. That's pretty cool, isn't it? So, would you agree then? I say this a little bit tongue-in-cheek. When we're good and well-behaved, he's happy, right? <laughs> I do say that a little bit tongue-in-cheek, okay? But what about when we're not so good? When things go a bit wrong, okay? When we make a mess of things, when it all goes wrong, and we say things, we do things we regret, we mess up, we do all of those things, or when we don't do what we're supposed to do, you know, when we know that, Technically, God, you should be really disappointed with me right now because if I was you, I would be really disappointed with me. And we're really disappointed with ourselves, okay? You know, you know those times. It's obviously different for, for all of us, but it's, it's that's a personal moment, isn't it? So we know those times. Can Jesus still be happy during those times? Can he still be joyous during those times when we've just really just screwed it all up? And the answer is yes, he can, and he is. So, let's finish that sentence. So, this Thomas Goodwin chap, he wrote that Christ's own joy, comfort, happiness and glory are increased and enlarged by showing his grace and mercy in pardoning, relieving and comforting his members here on earth. So, what if his heart and joy is enlarged by our weaknesses and by our failures? That kind of challenged me a little bit when I read that in the book because it's, like, it's not something that I would really think of. Because, you know, naturally we want to think, okay, when we mess up, that God's coming, you know, a bit cheesed off with us or whatever. But what if his heart and his joy is enlarged, it's increased by our weaknesses and failures? So there's a, an example. Sorry, in that book. Okay, so this is an example that they give in the book, right? A compassionate doctor has travelled deep into the jungle to provide medical care to a primitive tribe afflicted with a contagious disease. He has had his medical equipment flown in, has correctly diagnosed the problem and the antibiotics are prepared and available. He's independently wealthy and has no need of any kind of financial compensation. But as he seeks to provide care, the afflicted refuse. They want to take care of themselves. They want to heal their own on their own terms. Finally, a few bron Excuse me, finally a few brave young men step forward to receive the care being freely provided. And what does the doctor feel? Joy. He's happy. The joy increase, his joy increases to the degree that the sick come to him for help and healing. It's the whole reason, it's the whole purpose that he went. It's what he wants. He wants them to come in their need to him. Okay? And it's the same, like as a parent, you know, when you when your kid's done something that they're not supposed to do and they've got themselves in a right mess, and although they might try and insist on sorting it out themselves, they want to clean it all up, fix it all by themselves because they're scared that they've made their mum or dad really angry and inconvenienced them. <laughs> Excuse me, but as a parent, you can see them struggling, you can see them trying to fix it, 
And you're just thinking, oh, crumbs, just ask me. I can fix this. We can deal with this. You know, we can sort out like the issue of what kind of went wrong a bit later. But just let me come and help you. You know, you can see them. They're trying to sort it out and they're making a bigger mess. And it's just awful. And as a parent, you just want to love them and you just want to step in. And, you know, that is how it is with God. Okay? So sometimes we hide from God and we disqualify ourselves from God because we think sometimes he doesn't accept us because we wouldn't accept ourselves if we were him because, you know, it's just not so good. Some of the things that we do, we do that. We hide it from God when we've messed up. We're too scared to ask for forgiveness or too scared to... I don't know, come to him and look him in the face. We can't have eye contact with God because we feel so much shame and guilty and you just want to lay low for a bit and maybe you'll speak to him tomorrow when you don't feel so bad and, and all of that sort of stuff. Okay? Do you remember Rochelle's story last week when she hid underneath the table because she thought God couldn't see her because uh, it was thick enough. <laughs> God couldn't see her. We do that. But God is not insecure and he can cope with our messes. Okay, he can cope with our shortcomings and our failures and the things that we're not so good at and things that we haven't quite worked out. So when Jesus died on the cross, it was a final sacrifice, once for all, done and dusted. But God's not naive, is he? He knows full well. Jesus knew full well what he was getting into when he died on the cross and when you gave your life to him and when I gave my life to him. Thank goodness for that. Uh, <laughs> I am far, far from perfect. And I'm sure you guys are too. And, you know, thank goodness that he's not insecure by that. Thank goodness he knew fully what he was getting into. Okay, so, excuse me. John 1, 2, verse 1 to 2 says, My dear children, I write this to you so that you will not sin. But if anyone does sin, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ, the righteous one. He is the atoning sacrifice for our sins. And not only for ours, but the whole, the sins of the whole world. He is the atoning sacrifice. He's not was, he is his current. And in Hebrews 7, 24 to 25, it says, Because Jesus lives forever, he has a permanent priesthood. Therefore, he is able to completely, save completely those who come to God through him because he always lives to intercede for them. So when we do mess up, you know, that's just evidence that he knows. He knows what we're going to be like. He knows the struggles that we're going to have. So we don't inconvenience him when we need help, when we mess up, when we need to ask for forgiveness again. Okay, we have a limitless supply of grace and mercy. You know, and that's not to say that we take advantage of that and think, well, hey, I'm just going to do whatever I want then. You know, because that's not demonstrating that you actually love and care for someone when you're really flippant about doing things like that. You know, he wants us to be... Um, you know, to not sin. But if we do, we've got someone standing there for us. So when we run away from him, instead of to him, it makes him sad. But if we run to him, that's what he wants. Okay? Right, Ephesians 5, 28 to 30, it says, In the same way, husbands ought to love their wives as their own bodies. He who loves his wife loves himself. But the point is, after all, no one ever hated their own body, but they feed it and they take care of their body, just as Christ does the church, for we are members of his body. So there's absolutely no way on earth that Jesus wants us lurking around in the darkness, trying to fix ourselves up, feeling like we're a pain in the butt to him. There's no way. 
we hurt his body and there's no way that he's going to inflict punishment on his own body like that. It was being done and dusted. He wants us to come. And that was, that's the whole point. And that is the point of what the joy set before him was. Okay? So when we come, it delights his heart. It brings him joy. It makes him happy. It's what he wants. And when we come to him forgiveness and talk to him despite of our sinfulness, we're taking hold of his deepest longing and joy. Yes, he wants us to grow and he wants us to become more like him and not sin. And yes, he knows we're also not perfect and still need his help, his mercy and his forgiveness and grace. Okay? He wants us to draw strength from his love and his joy. Okay, I have got a new favourite verse because I've read this before, but it's, you know when it just like never really sort of clicks in place? Got to tell you this, okay? So this is from Nehemiah um, 8, 9 to 10. And so the background is, so all the um, people of Judah, they've been in exile in Babylon and uh, they've come back, they've rebuilt the city walls and they're moving back in, okay? So it says, this day is holy to the Lord your God. Do not mourn or weep. For all the people have been mourning, sorry, <clears throat> all the people have been weeping as they listened to the words of the law. So they felt bad and they felt remorseful for their own failures and theirs, of their ancestors. They were feeling, you know, pretty awful. And Nehemiah said, go and enjoy choice food, sweet drinks, and send some to those who have nothing prepared. This day is holy to our Lord. Do not grieve, for the joy of the Lord is your strength. And then a bit later on, verse 11 says the Levites had to calm the people down and had, um, and had to tell them not to grieve. God didn't want them to be beating themselves up over all of that stuff. He didn't want them wallowing in guilt and then potentially sliding into wallowing in self-pity. He wanted them to be joyous like he was. He was excited, he was happy, and he wanted them to be full of that. And then verse 12 essentially says that when they went away celebrating with great joy because now they knew what it meant. So basically, they now knew that the joy of the Lord was their strength. And so, you know, if I was to put that into words today for us, you know, I would hear and I have heard, you know, God just saying, look, sweetheart, you know, don't worry about it. Just let it go. I've let it go. You know, I'm not hung up on this. Just come to me as you are, covered in mud, dirt, you know, and, and all the horrific stuff that whatever's just gone on. And, you know, I love you just as you are. Just come. I'm really happy. I want you to join in my joy because my joy over you right now will be the strength that you need to be able to get through, to get through your day, to get through your week, and to get through all of this stuff. Okay? So Jesus' joy, his love, his passion and his delight and his happiness with us should be our strength. And I want that to be our strength, but I know that there's some things that I find difficult. Self-acceptance, you know, we disqualify ourselves sometimes, don't we? But Jesus doesn't want us to cut ourselves off because he doesn't cut us off from that. He wants us to be, live in his joy. Okay? So with that, we find all that strength. So how much strength can we get from it? How much strength can we get from his joy in us? And the answer to that, that I've heard God say to me, <laughs> is, well, that depends on exactly how much you believe me, how much it's true. 
So sometimes it's easy to believe that it's true, and then there's sometimes when I find it really hard to believe it's true. Um, I know it's true in my head, but it doesn't seem to match up with then my emotions or how I would behave or how I would still be confident, how I still be hopeful and all of this sort of stuff. Okay? But it's a fact and facts are true and truth sets us free. So this is something that we can depend upon, we can rely on, blah, blah, blah. So, how many occasions do we find ourselves feeling utterly weak, can't carry on, exhausted from the fight of life, just want to lie down on the floor in a heap and just like, oh, just leave me alone, I just can't do this, it's all too much. I found myself in that situation quite a number of times. But the joy of the Lord is our strength. So what does that mean for us practically? And how can we allow that to have an impact on us and how does that work when life is really going wrong? How can, we, how can we depend on his joy, his happiness being our strength? Okay? <coughs> so to know that Jesus is fully and constantly joyful all the time, even when we mess up, even when we're not quite getting it right, even when our brain, our thoughts, our mindset might tell us something different. He is constantly joyful and we are a source of joy to him. And if we really let that sink in, that's going to really change our mindsets. And I don't know about you, but for me, that's not going to be a five minute thing. If I just ponder on that right now, you know, I might get a couple of hours out of it this afternoon. You know, when something goes wrong at home or whatever, or, you know, the kids are playing up, and, oh, yeah, Jesus, you're my joy, you're my strength, you're my strength to get through this. You know, but it needs to be a mindset, it needs to be ingrained in how we think, it needs to then be a mindset that affects our heart, that then affects the language that we use when we speak, our expectations, our hope levels, everything, it just needs to filter through everything, that we are a source, a source of joy to Jesus, and that his joy is our strength. Hmm. <laughs> um, I've got some funny stories, which some of you know, but I'm not going to tell you right now, but they are hilarious, and if you want to know, I will tell you later on, um, about how God has kind of broken into situations where, you know, I've just felt like exhausted and just like, oh, what's the point? This is so annoying. This is going on forever and stuff like that. But I'll tell you one of them, and... So I'm feeling a little bit vulnerable. God and I, sometimes we have a bit of a funny relationship. He does make me laugh, and I know I do silly things, and he, he laughs, but, you know, anyway, I'll tell you this story. So I think it was here at church. So I'm having this sort of, like, conversation and this picture sort of going on with God about, uh, you know, it was stuff, stuff was just going on in life, and it was just really horrible and so in this picture I'm like at this window and I really want to go outside I'm trapped in this room it's really dull it's just horrible and I don't I feel I can't get out it's chucking it down with rain outside it's really grey miserable gloomy and all of this sort of stuff and I think right okay so Jesus he's going to come talk to me and he's going to come and tell me it's like come on it's not that bad I'm here I'll help you I'm your source I'll help you know go on and all these sort of things that I'm expecting you know Jesus to do 
And then he comes beside me whilst I'm in my picture that I'm having. But while I'm at this blind, and you know the pull call to the blind, he picks it up and he lobs it at me. with you and he talks to you but there's no words but he's just communicating in your spirit and he's so he's just standing at me and he's just got this grin on his face he's not sort of bothered well I mean obviously he's bothered and he's cares but he's not bothered in the sense that he's you know worried he's not on the same trajectory as me of like oh this is all horrible he's just looking at me with this grin on his face and he just says to me communicates to me yeah I know it's pretty horrible out there isn't it and it's you know, and that weather's not going to change. It's not going to go away for now. It's like, this is just how it is. But I'm here. I'm here with you. And just this communication that went on, just knowing that Jesus was with me, he had this awesome smile on his face. And he was just looking at me and accepting me and just, you know, I could sense that he's all powerful and he's, you know, and in a flick like that, and he could sort it all out, but he's not for whatever reason. But it was just so comforting and just so surprising that, you know, he was still fun and he was still full of joy and he was still full of happiness. And this is the thing, right? Sometimes we don't have our, you know, I know we say that we shouldn't be robbed of our joy, but sometimes it feels like it does. It feels like it's been taken away and thrown down the toilet and that's it, gone forever. But, you know, obviously we know that's not true. But there are times when... You know, Jesus is, his joy is constant and his joy is our strength and we can share in his joy. If we haven't got our own, we can share in his joy because his joy is consistent, it's not going to go away. You know, it doesn't mean that he's just all laughing about our circumstances and being, you know, doesn't care. He does care. But we can still, at the same time, have his consistent joy. And that's a supernatural thing, isn't it? Because physically, circumstances can be so awful when we go through, it's like, how can you have much joy in that? There's nothing really to be joyful about. But he says, you can have mine. You can share in my joy. My joy is your strength. And that's what I just, I want to finish. And I just want to pray. And I want to ask him. I want us to have a revelation. I want us to hear prophetically from God. Whether that's a picture, whether you're just hearing God's voice, or whether you're just getting a knowing in your spirit. Okay? So... Let's just pray about that. Jesus, I thank you that you are totally consistent all the time. I thank you that you are happy. You're happy with us and you are full of joy. And I thank you that we motivated you to go to that cross and to go through all the horrific, the the horrors of it. I thank you that you did that with us in mind. And I thank you that you're not naive that you're totally realistic, you knew what you was getting yourself into. I thank you for that. But some of us are having a really tough time with one thing, one way or another. And Jesus, it's really hard for us to have joy in those circumstances. Jesus, we need your joy. We want your joy to be our strength. And even though it just feels so lofty, and, and even, you know, studying this and just reading about all the stuff that you've done and the stuff that you say I still can't get my head around it and it's a mystery and thank you 
Thank you that even though we don't might not fully understand something, it doesn't make it not true. Mm. And so, Jesus, would you share your joy with us? Mm. Would you help us to take hold of it? Would you help us to come to you, not holding back, fully confident that we're fully accepted, no matter where we've, what we've done, where we've been, who we've hurt, what we've messed up with, what we're insecure about, all those things. Holy Spirit, would you help us to come confidently to you, Jesus, and we give you permission, Jesus, to lay your eyes fully upon us. God is looking at us right now. We gave him permission just a moment ago to go into all the nooks and crannies. He can see all of those, and he's not put off by it. So, Jesus, we ask that you would speak to us now, this afternoon, in our sleep tonight, as we dream throughout the weeks coming and the months coming, that you would teach us and train us to know that your joy is our strength and what that means for us and what that means in our own circumstances and the circumstances that we're facing at home, at work, uh, with our finances, with our health, with all of the things that we're facing that we're finding really tough. Lord Jesus, would you teach us, show us, explain it to us and let it affect our mindsets, the way that we think, speak and react, that your joy is our strength and that you are joyful over us all the time thank you you're so good we love you amen that was the end of it